I hope and pray that you had an, an amazing Christmas. And, and I pray also that you experience Christmas in a new way because that's what we set out and prayed for the Lord to do. Amen. Was to teach us something new um, this Christmas. And I pray that that has happened for you. And by looking at some of the characters that we've been talking about through the month of December, that I hope that the Lord has allowed you to see yourself in looking at some of these characters. I know he has done that with me. Um, both the good and the bad. And I hope that in looking at these people's stories, you've been able to relate what they've gone through to your own story. Um, and I pray that especially today as we look at, at the last character that we're going to look at in this series before we start a new year. And um, I wanted to end this series with the story of Simeon. For, for good reason, and I think you'll understand uh, by the time we're finished why I wanted to do that. Uh, we'll be in Luke chapter 2, in Luke's gospel, this morning, and we're going to begin in verse 25. So when we're thinking chronologically in the Christmas story, this encounter, this story that we're going to read this morning uh, is set at about the 40-day mark after the birth of Jesus. Uh, Jesus has been born um, after, based on the, the law, the custom of the law, about eight days after he was born, he would have been taken and circumcised. And then um, after Mary had completed uh, the time of ceremonial cleansing according to the law, then Mary and Joseph um, would have um, still been in Bethlehem. We, we, we conclude they're not still living in the manger. There, or, or, the, or the stable or wherever they were uh, with Jesus when he was born. They would have moved to a home, to a house, somewhere probably in Bethlehem there um, because all of the ceremony that they would have needed to go through with Jesus being born would have been in Jerusalem. And so that was much closer. Uh, Bethlehem was much closer than Galilee or, or um, Nazareth would have been. So... Um, so before the verse, before verse twenty-five, when you read, Luke sort of explains uh, the the process, the things that that Mary and Joseph would have gone through in those first uh, few weeks of Jesus' life, going through the ceremony, being faithful. Around this time, around the forty-day mark, is is normally when parents would bring their children to the temple. There would be a dedication of their child, especially, especially here their baby boy to the Lord, uh, there would be a sacrificial offering that the parents would give also. But so, so what Mary and Joseph are doing right now is not out of the ordinary. That's something that every Jewish family who had a baby boy would have done. But obviously, this isn't going to be a typical visit to the temple for these ceremonies. Preparation had been made by the Lord. There was a very special meeting that was going to happen when they take Jesus to the temple to dedicate him to the Lord. And there was a divine appointment that was to be taking place. And God had been preparing it for a long time. And it has to do with this man named Simeon. So look with me in chapter 2, starting in verse 25. Luke writes and says, There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. 
It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. So Luke, within the context of Mary and Joseph's story with Jesus, they introduce us to Simeon. And, they, and he, he tells us about some specific things. Um, many people conclude that Simeon could have been a priest. Uh, maybe so, but the text, Luke doesn't choose to tell us that for sure. Um, and whether he was a part of the priesthood or not, he does choose to tell us three specific things about Simeon. One, that Simeon was righteous and devout. He was, he, there was a righteousness that... that uh, he had before the Lord, and he was devout in his in his discipline, in his devotion to God. It also says that Simeon was anticipating; he was looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. And then he also tells us in verse twenty, in verse twenty five, that he was filled with the Holy Spirit; that the Holy Spirit was on him. Simeon had a very special relationship with the Lord. And I believe Simeon's relationship with the Lord would have been similar to the saints that we read about when you read Hebrews chapter 11, what we call the Hall of Faith. And the Old Testament saints who, where it says that their faith was credited to them as righteousness, like, like Abraham. Uh, Simeon, uh, Jesus had not come, he had not seen the Messiah, but there was a righteousness that God had given him because of his faith, because of his anticipation of what was to come. And Simeon lived a a faithful, devoted life of obedience because of his faith that God was fulfilling his promise. He had faith in the promise of the Messiah and he had had trust in God that he was going to fulfill that. And that faith was seen in the way he lived his life before God and before men. Everybody knew what kind of man Simeon was. He had a reputation for being godly and faithful. Luke says that he was looking forward to Israel's consolation. He was looking for the Messiah. And verse 26 tells us maybe why he had such anticipation for it. Because verse 26 says that God had promised that he would not die until he had laid his eyes on the Christ. So because of Simeon's close relationship with the Lord, the Holy Spirit had given Simeon a really important, special promise. I want you to to think for a minute. Can you imagine the anticipation he must have lived with day after day? That the Holy Spirit had had told him plainly that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. Lots of people also conclude that that Simeon was was old. There's also not really anything in the text to indicate to us how old he was. He, He could have been well along in years, maybe not so much. But can you imagine the anticipation of of that? That every day he woke up wondering, is this going to be the day? Like it was a different kind of anticipation. The whole the the whole nation of Israel had a certain type of anticipation, and the ones who were who were most faithful and knew the scriptures had a certain anticipation. But I think Simeon had this anticipation that was way off the charts compared to everybody else. Like literally, that, that's the first thing he would probably think of 
when he woke up in the morning. And can you imagine the devotion and the faithful obedience he strived for every single day because he knew that day could be the day that he gets to see the Messiah. It it would have been different for Simeon. So because of his faith and his devotion, God gave him this supernatural promise. And because of the promise, it would have spurred Simeon on to even greater devotion, even greater obedience, right? Like you're faithful to the Lord and you see his promise, but then when he gives you a special promise like that that's so personal, that would have spurred him along to even greater devotion and and greater faithfulness. And so I, I just kind of imagine Simeon being this, this guy who just eagerly, when we say anticipated and looking forward to, that, that's probably even an understatement of how he really felt in his heart. And so he's looking for it. He's, he's anticipating it with every day. And so look at verse 27. It says, Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. So he, he wakes every day anticipating what's going to happen. And, and this was the day. This was the day that, that was going to happen. This is a big deal. But there's a really important detail in that description that we don't need to miss in verse 27. How did he enter the temple? Guided by the Spirit, it says in verse 27. He was guided by the Spirit. Here's something I want you to remember. Simeon's experiencing God's promise would only happen through his obedience to the Spirit. The same is true in us. What if Simeon had not been anticipating what God was going to do? What if he was not looking forward to it? What if Simeon had not followed the lead of the Spirit that day? Mary and Joseph had no idea that this encounter was going to happen, that God had, had ordained this meeting with Simeon. This was the day that it was supposed to happen, so the Spirit moved in Simeon's life, in his heart, and moved him to be at the temple that day. So it was through Simeon's sensitivity and obedience to the Spirit that he chose to get up and go. And be there. It should cause us to wonder, and it caused me to wonder this. What answers to God's promises have we not seen or experienced yet because we've not been led by the Spirit? What is, what is a promise that God has for us? Individually? As a, as a family, as a church family, what is a, 
what is a promise that he has for us that, that he, is, he is waiting to give to us, but we've not seen it, and we've not experienced it because we've not let ourselves be led by the Spirit. We've not been obedient to that draw. Um, have you ever felt the draw of the Holy Spirit in your life and ignored it? Maybe, um, maybe he's prompted you to speak to someone, to speak a word of encouragement to somebody. And, and for some reason you were too distracted and, and missed it. Maybe it was a, a choice you had to make, a decision. To, I, I either need to do this or need to do this. And, and, this, and you felt the draw of the Spirit to send you in one direction or toward one decision, but it was the harder of the two. And maybe you chose to take the easier choice because you were afraid. Maybe the Lord's prompted, the Spirit has prompted in you to share your faith with somebody. But you looked at the circumstances, you looked at where you were, you looked at who it was, and you thought, yeah, I just don't really know if that's a good idea. And so we move away from that direction. And I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit like this mystical voice that just tells us random things to do. The Holy Spirit doesn't really work like that. And sometimes it's hard for us to figure out, maybe, well, what is the drawing of the Holy Spirit and what's not? You want me to tell you one of the ways that you can know that the Spirit is drawing you toward something, toward a choice, toward an action, toward any whatever it is that He draws us to. The voice of the Holy Spirit in us will always echo His voice in the Scriptures. Because the Holy Spirit speaks through God's Word. And so when He speaks to us in our heart, He will always echo the same thing that he speaks to us in the scriptures. So that means that obedience to the spirit will also be obedience to the scriptures. Right? His move in us will always echo what God's word says. And so when we obey the spirit, we're obeying the scriptures. And maybe part of the reason... I would have a hard time. Maybe part of the reason that any of us would have a hard time hearing the voice of the Spirit in our hearts and in our minds is because we haven't heard it through the Scriptures. Because we don't know what the Scriptures say. Because we don't spend time there. We don't hear His voice here. And so it's difficult to hear His voice here and recognize it. So Simeon was devout in his faith, and he knew the Scriptures. (laughs) He knew what the prophecy said. He knew what the Scriptures said about the Messiah. And so when the Holy Spirit led him to the temple that day, he followed. Because he anticipated and because he knew what the Scriptures said, so he walked in obedience. And when he got up, moved by the Spirit, he walked right into the promise that God had for him. Look at verse 28. This is, this is a huge little thing that just jumped out at me. Maybe, maybe it would you. You remember specifically what the promise was? The promise to Simeon was that he would not die until he had seen the Messiah. But what did he do in verse 28? He didn't just see the Messiah. 
He held him. He didn't just lay eyes on him, but he was able to pick him up and hold him. That's huge. I I don't know if that blows you away, but that blows me away when I read that. Do you know, we just finished Christmas. And I hope that you had the experience of being able to give gifts to the people that you love. And we, and we know, I hope that you know the, the joy. All of us know the joy of, of, of having a gift. And sometimes there's this special gift at Christmas time, right? Maybe there's something with our kids or with our spouse or somebody in our family that, you know, we, we maybe give them lots of gifts, but there's one. There's always that one gift that you, if, they're, if we're opening gifts, you make them wait till the end. That's like, you, know, you can't open this one until last. Why? Because it's, it's like the big one. It's like the big special gift, right? Have you ever had that moment where you, you've, you know that, let's say it's, it's one of your kids. And there's this one big thing that you know they wanted. Well, you made sure that they were going to get it, right? You made sure that they, that they were going to get it. But you knew that they were expecting that because that's what they had asked for. So maybe what you did was you stepped it up just a little bit. And you not only gave them that thing that they asked for that you knew they were going to be anticipating, but because you wanted to just blow their minds, you gave them something a little bit better or a little bit extra. Or, there was, or there's one more thing. Or maybe that, you know, I think of like in a Christmas story when the Red Rider is hidden behind the desk, you know? Like, you meet the expectation, but you don't just want to meet the expectation. You want, to, you want to go way beyond just because you love them and because you care about them and you, and you want it to be something that they'll never forget. I, I wonder sometimes if that's not what God was doing with Simeon here because he loves Simeon so much. The, 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 we, we get a pleasure from, from not just meeting the expectations of the people that we care about, but, but exceeding their expectations and to see their reaction to that. And don't get me wrong, I don't believe that God operates and makes his choices based only on our pleasure. We've said that before. God's job is not just to make us happy all the time. He has a will, he has a plan that he is working out in the world, but he is a good father. And I believe God takes great pleasure in seeing our joy when he exceeds our expectations of his goodness. Because we have expectations of how good he is, but sometimes I think God just likes to show off and say, you know what, I know you think I'm this good and I'm going to show you just how good I really am. And so there's this moment in Simeon's, this moment that he had anticipated and waited on and waited on and waited on. God didn't just bring the Messiah into view. He, he put the Messiah in Simeon's arms. Can you imagine how that would have felt to him? And so he responds. In those verses after, in verses 29 through 32, Simeon expresses his gratitude to God for keeping his promise and his joy in that promise fulfilled. And he basically says, God, there is nothing else I need. 
There's nothing else I can ask you for. Everything that my life has waited on has happened right here. Simeon is ready to die. Joyfully and gladly. I've seen, I've not only seen the promise, but I've held it. He is in my arms. How can anything on this planet get any better than this? You can take me home right now. And he says something really important. He says, my eyes have seen your salvation. And we know that salvation was going to come through Jesus' life. As Jesus grew, he started his ministry. As Jesus died on the cross, as he was buried, as he would be raised again. All of those things. Our salvation was going to come through all that. But Simeon didn't see all that. He just saw this little baby. But yet he says to God, I've seen your salvation. He had not seen the Holy Spirit descend on Jesus and speak, and God speak his pleasure over Jesus there with John the Baptist. He had not seen a single miracle. He had not heard a single teaching from the Messiah. He had not heard a single word come out of the mouth of Jesus But he said, I have seen your salvation. How how does he say that? Because this is just a baby. The baby, he's not done anything yet. How does he say that? The expectation of seeing Jesus had been fulfilled. So Simeon knew, his faith knew, that what God would bring through Jesus was also going to be fulfilled. He didn't have to see it. He didn't have to see it with his eyes. He had already seen it with his heart. This is also seen um, in Simeon's confession that Jesus would bring salvation not just to Israel, but to all the Gentiles as well. And you can imagine being in the temple full of Jews and Simeon saying that the Messiah is coming. He's not just going to be the glory of Israel, but he's going to be a light of revelation to the Gentiles. And there were probably some Jews there in the temple who wouldn't have liked that very much to hear him say something like that because they they thought the messiah was for them that he's for us he's for our people but Simeon had been given a a revelation through the holy spirit that that messiah was going to be so much more because he understood he understood the scriptures What did the angels say to the shepherds? I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be for who? All people. It was there. It was part of the plan all along. That's what the angels announced to the shepherds. And that's what the Holy Spirit revealed to Simeon, that this baby is not just for Israel. He is for the whole world. Then look at verse 33. Through 35. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. And a sword will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Simon, after Simeon, after he has this 
moment of worship and this gratitude to the Lord, the Spirit continues to lead him and he gives a prophecy to Mary. As they were amazed at what was happening, I could have imagined Mary and Joseph hearing the things coming from Simeon and it was just more confirmation of everything they had been told up until this point. And they were walking faithfully step by step through what God was leading them through. And now here's this moment of of truth that comes from the Holy Spirit through Simeon. And he tells Mary that though many would rejoice at the coming of Jesus, many would oppose him as well. And we talked a little bit about that last week. This is happening before they get word that Herod is coming after him to try to kill him. Many in Israel would rise to belief and faith because of what Jesus would do, but many would also fall to rejection and hatred of him and the kingdom that he would bring. The sign that God was sending uh, through all he would do would be opposed by many, even including some of the ones who would have been in the temple that day. Simeon says this in the presence of so many, and many of the ones who would have been in the temple watching this go on would be the ones to cry out to crucify him one day. And so the Holy Spirit speaks this very true prophecy through Simeon. Then he warned her. I think it's a very special moment because Simeon turns his direction specifically toward Mary. And he warns her of the soul-piercing pain that she would experience as the mother of this child, as she would one day see the hearts of the people's rejection of the kingdom that he was coming to bring. He said that hearts would be revealed. And what Simon said is also true for us. Our hearts, our true hearts are revealed in our reception or our rejection of Jesus. So that prophecy wasn't just for then, it's also for now. Most people in the world tend to think that they have good hearts, don't they? Most of us want to say that we're good people at heart. We're not really that bad. But when we read the scriptures, they say something quite different. And Jesus came to show us what our great need was because of our sin and our great need for forgiveness and salvation. And what we do with Jesus will reveal our heart no matter what kind of religious facade we try to cover ourselves in. And that's what I'm, I'm afraid that so many in the world are doing. They're trying to hide what's really in their heart by covering it up with this religious clothing and look and speech. But Simeon said that hearts would be revealed that Jesus would, would, would bring division. It's like the wheat and the tares. That's, that's, that's what will happen. So many would reject him. And he warns Mary and he says, 
Mary, you're going to have to be ready for this because it's going to break your heart to see what people will do. So there are those who Simeon said would reject him, but what about the ones who would receive him? What about the ones who were like Simeon, who had been faithful, who had been anticipating, and now he he had come, and he's here? I think that Simeon's story is a beautiful picture of the joy that is waiting to be revealed to all of us who eagerly expect the fulfillment of God's promise. For the ones who really trust in Christ, I think Simeon's story is a picture and an illustration of what our story can look like. Because let me ask you something. What are you waiting for? Like, what is it that you anticipate more than anything? Simeon waited and anticipated that day that he would get to see the Messiah because God had promised that that would happen. There's some promises that God makes to us as believers. He promises the restoration of everything one day. That everything in the world that sin has broken and strained and stained will be made right. And that everything that ends in this life will one day be changed and made eternal. That the things that are perishable now, God's promise to us is that they will be imperishable one day. And there's a passage in 1 Peter that I think is just a a, a beautiful description of what is that promise. God made a promise to Simeon that Simeon believed and had hope and faith in. And the day came for Simeon where he was able to not just see that but to hold it. And it came to fulfillment. Listen to what 1 Peter, what Peter writes in 1 Peter 1 verses 3 through 9. Just listen. This is part of the promise. For us, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through salvation, through faith, for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials. So that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though not seeing Him now, you believe in Him. And you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls.
That's the promise. That's the gift. And I think there will be a day that those of us who are hoping, who are anticipating, one of the worst things we can do is is forget to anticipate the coming of the promise. Because it's true. And it's going to come. And Simeon woke every morning waiting, wondering if this was going to be the day that it comes. Are we waking up every morning and the first thing that comes into our mind and hearts, is this going to be the day God fulfills his promise? And what joy comes from that. One day God will keep his promise for those who've trusted in his son. And you know what's going to be true for us too? Is not only will we get to see the promise. We're going to get to hold it. We're going to get to touch it. It's going to be, it's not just going to be something that we see, it's going to be something that we touch and that we feel and that we embrace and something that embraces us. We're going to hold it in our hands. But until that day that we hold it in our hands, we have to always hold it in our heart. We can't forget it. And we trust in it, not because our eyes have seen it, Not because we've touched it yet. We've already experienced it through our faith. Through God's word. Through salvation in our hearts. And because we've experienced it here. God says one day you're going to see it here. And you're going to be able to touch it here. So Jesus for us is not just a, a promised child. Like many other people would in would say that Christmas is all about baby Jesus. It's not all about the baby Jesus. It's about the King Jesus. That he's not just a baby that's been born. He is our living hope. And that's what we have to continue to anticipate until he comes.